You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. I want to pick up where Dan left off last week. He asked us, he challenged us with a question like, where are you serving? And I really just, uh, I thought, in a very appropriate and a very uh, healthy in a way to just kind of take us to take a second to look at our life to say, where are we serving the Lord God in heaven? And uh, Paul continues that theme as we're wrapping up Romans 16. In fact, we've just got this week and next week. I'm excited. Our life groups are going to kick off. Uh, we're going to look at 1 Samuel. There's just so many good stories in there and lessons of faith along the way, and I'm excited about those conversations in our life group and sharing on Sunday morning. But Paul is really focused in this morning about service and ministry to God. As I thought back and I thought, when did I begin serving in a church? You know, And I kind of look back and I, I remember when my family and I, I have a sister and my parents and I, we moved to Connecticut and my dad was starting a church. It was a, well, it was a church that had already started, but really hadn't kind of gotten going yet. There were maybe 30 or 40 people there. And I was probably 13 or 14 years old. And I can remember we were renting another church. And this church, the building itself, I mean, we're talking like 1800s. The pews, modern modern pews, pews built in the 50s, (laughs) you know, 80s or whatever. These things didn't just, weren't just straight up. They actually tipped forward. And it was like back in the day in, you know, 1800 so that you wouldn't fall asleep. In fact, I don't know if you know about this or not, but way back in the 1700s, you know what the ushers did? They didn't pass out offering plates. They would have a guy, they would have a pole. On one end of his pole would be a feather. On the other end would be a brass knob. And uh, if you got sleepy in church, somehow you managed to fall asleep with your, you know, you're leaning forward. If you were a lady, the usher would come by and tickle your nose or your neck and wake you up. If you were a guy, you got the brass end in the rib, kind of like a, hey, buddy, wake up. But it was one of those kind of churches, like, you know, it just began. And so we would, every week when we got there, we'd have to unpack. They had a, a, a kind of a cupboard that because we were renting the church, so we would pull our stuff out and, and I remember, I can remember digging in that cupboard. I couldn't tell you this day what was in there or what I moved. I don't know if it was hymnals and then or boxes or kids stuff or whatever. But I remember just moving stuff and just having to pitch in and help do church. And thinking about it, Susan and I played that forward. Not so much like I suffered and your kids are going to suffer from me, you know, do the same thing. But believe it or not, it just we've always expected our kids to turn around and, and put those opportunities before them. And we've all heard the statistics, or most of us heard the stats, that most kids that grow up even in good churches, when they get to college and young adults, they just kind of walk away. They walk away from God and walk away from church. And sometimes churches think that youth groups are going to be kind of the silver bullet to keep them together. I think it helps, but to be real honest with you, the big piece, I think, is... Uh, having a home, whether it's mom and dad are married or even if it's a single mom or single dad raising kids, but where faith is authentic and it's lived out and there's healthy relationships and where those kids are taught to serve. It's taught to serve not only in the home, but taught to serve in the church and the community of faith. It's just, it's healthy. And when you look at those families and kind of, they've kind of done some studies, it's those kids that have been reared in those kind of environments where they've Learn. People care about other people, care about sharing the gospel, care about ministering. Those are the ones that kind of continue on. So this morning as we talk about service, it's not just important for us. It's important for the church. It's important for our families. It's healthy. So look with me, if you would, in Romans chapter 16. 
as I share just a little bit before we participate in the Lord's Supper this morning. So Romans 16, read with me if you would the first several verses. Paul has kind of given us a list. I practice. I don't usually practice names. There's 27 names in here, and some of them are kind of funky. So let me, let me give it my best shot on these. Paul says this. He says in verse 1, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of this church at Syncree, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. For she has been a patron, a helper, kind of a supporter of many and of myself as well. Greet Prissa, i.e. Priscilla, and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epanetus, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Can you imagine the very first person that ever trusted Christ across a continent. Incredible. Paul says, hey, greet Epanetus, who was the first convert. He says in verse 6, greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen, my fellow prisoners. They are well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachys, Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who also belong to Aristobulus. Greet my kinsman, Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. That's a great couple, right? You know, here's Tryphena and Tryphosa. How would you like to have their names? Greet the, my, the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus chosen in the Lord, also his mother. We don't know her name, but Paul says, greet his mother, who's been a mother to me as well. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Now, I must confess, when I looked at that, I said, Lord, what in the world do I talk about when there's just a laundry list of saying hi to everybody? Hey, say hi, 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 you know, hi to everybody. We, pa we share these passages of Scripture out of the conviction that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, the Bible tells us. So there's things even in here that we need to think about, and there's actually more here than just meets the eye, than just Paul giving us a lot of names that were amazing. He kind of, we kind of get a little pull the curtains back and see just kind of average people that Paul is grateful for that were involved in ministry and the things that were going on in that world. I want to tell you three things this morning about service, about your ministry, about the work you do for the Lord. Three things. First thing I want you to recognize is that your work is, is needed. It's needed. Look at the things that Paul is talking about in this passage. He says, Phoebe, our, our sister, receive her. She was traveling somewhere, going to Rome, apparently. Paul's writing that, hello, the book of Romans is written to people in Rome, right? So he's writing a letter to, to these Christians, to this church, and Phoebe's coming from who knows where, and she's coming to do some ministry and says, hey, receive her. She is well-loved. She has served tremendously. She has been a patron. Not, not so much uh, that she's just been 
giving and helping and supporting many people and myself also. Paul was the man when it came to ministry. And yet what we hear in Paul's heart in his words is that he could not do what he was doing without the people around him. And Phoebe was one of those individuals. Some people say she was a deaconess. That word servant could be translated kind of as deacon. I tend to think she was just a servant as a generic kind of role in that world. And if you see it differently, that's okay. But, but she, regardless, she served God tremendously and served people. Paul says, I greet Priscilla and Aquila. They have stuck their necks out for me. They've laid their life on the line for me. They have helped and have been a tremendous support to me. You see, your ministry and my ministry, the things that we do for the Lord, are so needed. They are so important in people's lives. There's two words in the Bible that are invisible in English, but are two different Greek words for the word servant. One is the kind of average ordinary word means bond servant. It's kind of somebody who voluntarily makes themselves a slave. That's what Paul usually refers to himself as a, a bond servant. This word servant is different. And I, I like both words are cool, but I like the distinction of this word. There's two meanings to this word that are so significant. The first meaning, the first kind of idea is, is that you are the servant is somebody who acts as an, on an, as an intermediary on behalf of someone else. In other words, a servant is somebody who acts on somebody else's behalf to the benefit of someone else. They are the intermediary. They are the ones carrying out the wishes, carrying out the goodwill, bringing forth, delivering the good things, if you will, helping someone, but on behalf of somebody else. The second meaning of this word is, is just great. It's, it's somebody who gets something done. I'm not making it up. You look, if you look it up, that's literally what it means. A servant is somebody who gets something done. Do you, you know the feeling of that, right? When you're at home, and you just want to say, would somebody get this done in the house? Would somebody fix this? And you know, you turn around, and it's you or somebody else. Like, it's, they're the ones who complete the task. They are the ones that see a need, that accomplish it, that get something done. So put this together. Your ministry and my ministry is needed because we are acting on behalf of the God of heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, for the benefit of somebody else, and we are getting something done that needs to get done in somebody else's life. We are getting a picture here of what God is doing in the world around us. Keep in mind, the book of Romans is all about the gospel. It's about Jesus who died on the cross and rose from the dead. And, it's, and we've been walking through, these, through this, this winter and spring and, and summer through all the amazing things that God has done with the gospel. And at the end, we're getting a tangible reality that that it's not that the gospel's over here and we serve over there. There's not a detachment. They're not too isolated, too kind of siloed things. Our service, our ministry, our work for the Lord that Paul refers to as several people in here is a part of that. It is an outgrowth. It is a natural overflowing of the gospel at work in our lives. You see, people need the gospel in their life and they need it through the work and ministry of people like you and me. Paul said, I'm grateful for all these individuals. I'm grateful for their work. I'm grateful for, is it Rufus's mom? I can't, I've, I've forgotten which one of these. There's like 27 names in here. 
Yeah, in verse 13, a great roof is chosen of the Lord, also His mother, who's been a mother to me as well. You see, your service and my service, we don't know what that means, what exactly she did for Paul, but folks, to call somebody else like a second mother, like a mother to me, that's a big deal. She stepped up and loved him, stepped up and looked after him, stepped up and prayed for him and cared for him, even as an adult man. And that service, that ministry that she did, the work that you do for the Lord, not for yourself, but for the Lord, it is an extension, it is a completion, it is a carrying forward of the gospel of Jesus Christ in your life that comes and changes your life and saves you from sin and death. But then the things that you do, the words that you share, the prayers that you pray, the, the, the acts of kindness that you give, the, the steps of leadership, the, the conversations that you have, all of the overflow, the things that you do as God's emissary for somebody else to bless them, they are an overflow of that gospel grace in your life. And when you and I are not serving in that way, there's kind of a blockage there. You know, blockages are things that you don't want to have happen, right? It's not, you do not want your body blocked. You know what I'm saying? That is not a good thing. You don't want your septic system, your plumbing blocked. There's, you don't want the streets outside blocked. Most things, we don't enjoy when things get blocked, when they're stopped. And what God wants in our life is for the gospel that He planted in our heart changed us to then overflow. And it's, it's, it's as if you and I step into the shoes with Jesus, and while we're not crucified on the cross, and while we are not capable or able, even if we wanted to, to pay for our sins or the sins of anyone else, the reality is, is that we give up of ourselves and we sacrifice and we serve and we lay down our lives and we bless and we take time out of our day. We take thoughts that we could be spending other time and yet we're thinking about how to, how to help and plot and plan and all of that is you and me stepping into the gospel ministry on behalf of other people. You see, that's what service is. It's you and me suspending the things that we have to do for us to live, the things that we do because we have to do for us, and instead it's you and me doing things for somebody else, but not just doing it for them generically or generally, but doing it on behalf of the God of heaven. And that is such a deep need in the lives around us, folks. Look, looking at this list, the things that would have gone undone had these people not been serving all along. They're nameless people as we read the Bible that just, I mean, these are now named. <laughs> There's other people that are nameless in Scripture that just that helped all the things that Paul did. And had they not done them, it would have fallen apart. I was talking a number of years ago with kind of a, a little memory that, that God brought to my mind. I was uh, working on, actually it's a trailer that I have now, the boat trailer, and some guys were helping make it, and I was talking with them. We had just, I think, had just gone on vacation. I don't remember, had driven out of state a long ways. And I was just commenting, but she was like, wow, it's really amazing, the number of tractor trailers on the highway. And uh, I hit a little bit of a hot button for the guy, and he immediately said, he said, 
everything in this country moves by truck. And I'll be honest with you, I thought about it. I'd never thought about it before, and I thought, I'm like, I guess so. If it goes by railroad, the railroad doesn't go right by whatever store you go by. It's got to get unloaded into a truck. Those wonderful goods that come to your house got to go by truck. Everything in this country ultimately moves by truck, right? In the same way, everything that happens inside of river moves by volunteer services. There's not a single thing in our church that happens without people giving of themselves, giving of their time, giving of their abilities, giving of their resources, giving of their prayers, giving of their conversations. Not a single ministry from what we do on Sunday morning or with the kids or if we're going out in ministry during the week or whatever else is going on. Every one of those happens through that ministry. And what Paul is sharing with us this morning is that is so important. It is needful. Second thing I want you to notice, not only is that ministry, that work that we do needed, but I also want you to recognize that it is noticed. It's noticed. Paul, Paul is a, an amazing person. I look forward to meeting him one day. I have a hunch he was kind of intense. Like he kind of comes across as really intense. Like, do I really want to talk to that guy or not? I think he had a loving heart, but he also had a very kind of firm, direct heart as well. And I'm just shocked at how he rattles off all these names and ministries that people were doing. I don't want us to miss that fact. Under the leadership of the God of heaven who inspired him to write this, Paul is noticing people and the things that they were doing. And if Paul was noticing those things, that means the God of heaven was noticing these ministries as well. See, sometimes we get a little discouraged in our ministry and think, well, nobody notices, nobody cares, it's not really having an impact, it's just, you know, we kind of get discouraged. I want you to recognize that if nobody in this world picks up on what you're doing for Jesus, whether it's in an official capacity or something, you know, with River, or it's something that you're doing to bless your neighbor at home that nobody in this world ever knows, or maybe something you're doing at work or some other thing, even something you're doing for at home for your family, that even if nobody pays attention or says thank you, that the God of heaven recognizes that and sees that, and He rewards and applauds all of that. You know, reality is, is nobody serves in their life in ministry without somebody on this earth recognizing it. I know that God sees it all. Nobody, none of us sees all the ministry that anybody does, right? But nobody completely serves in oblivion. Like we all see different things that people do. The challenge I think that we usually have, especially in a family community setting like this, is to, to regularly say thank you and have a show appreciation when we see people doing things. That's what Paul is doing here. He's saying thank you. He's greeting them. He's sharing his love. He's saying thank you to them. He's, he's expressing a gratitude for them for all that they're doing. That those ministries are noticed. You know, this past week as I was thinking about what to share, and just like, God, where are you going with this? This is really a passage of an encouragement 
a passage of recognition, a passage of help along the way that should be inspiring us all to, as we think about our ministry. As I sat down and just thought person by person and kind of name by name and ministry by ministry of the things that I knew about, it's staggering the kinds of things that God is doing and has done in the lives of people here. I think about, I thought about every week of different people serving with the kids out back. Jason's out back with the kids this week. I asked, is it Bible boot camp in here today? You know, I'm like, we probably ought to do, we might scare kids off, but can we do Bible boot camp? Wouldn't that be great? He's like, oh yeah, I don't know about that. I love the fact that our men step up and serve in our kids' classes, whether it's Jason or Gary or Don is in the past. I love the men with our youth group. Ladies, don't get me wrong, I'm going to come back to you in a minute. But churches have a reputation of a lot of times that, well, ladies do kids, ladies do youth. You know, guys, we're going to want to go do something else. I love that our men, that, that Phil steps up and David and even Nathaniel steps up with our youth. I love the fact that we're a, a church that will model for young men of just moving forward with that. I love the, the sacrifice and the service every week. Like there's no ministry bigger in our church that involves more people than the kids' marriage. It's hands down the biggest thing. I think about our, our worship team. I love that they, I mean, they come and practice most Wednesday nights and have to come out in order to prepare and to kind of get together on these things and they lead in the morning. But you know what I notice? I love that they are serving one another, praying for one another, and they care about each other. It's not just a matter of showing up and playing a guitar or hitting a note. But there's a care in the ministry. There's a care in the middle of that. I, I, I think back last when we did the, remember the work day that we did in the spring? And uh, Darren and Angela were still relatively new to our church then and seeing Angela down and even though just, just has like all, like us, but she has even more, just some physical challenges and just digging in the weeds. And I just was in awe. I'm like, Angela, how are you doing that? Just, just like, oh, I'm glad to, and I love it. And I was in awe of that. And I, I remember back last Christmas Eve Eve, I don't know if you remember, but it was snowy, and, you know, we were like borderline ice and thinking about canceling and showing up. And I saw somebody off, and it was dark in the parking lot out in that direction. And uh, I saw somebody wearing, like, the yellow vest. I'm like, I don't remember anybody. Like, who is that? And just Darren was out cleaning salt in the parking lot. I, I felt bad. He's in the middle, so we all can come in here nice and dry and warm and having cookies, and he's out there, you know, taking care of those things. Every week we have people that are just, you know, cleaning the church, that are serving and giving of the just simple but significant things that, that we can participate and be blessed by. I, I love the story of Priscilla and Aquila that Paul says, the church that meets in their house. And our homes, our, many of you have opened up your home to host life groups in there. And uh, Del and Donna did last semester, and, and they are again. They just say, come, be in our home. I remember when Susan and I were, not at River, but a different church that I was leading at the time, and we had outgrown. We lived next door in a, to the church in a parsonage, and we had kind of outgrown our all of our kids' space and adult space. We did a typical traditional Sunday school before the service there. And I was leading the college class, and we, we just had no more room. So I kind of looked at Susan. I'm like, the only space I got is our living room. 
So we literally moved the class to my living room. I tell you what, when you got six kids and seven kids and you got to clean your kitchen and living room every week, you know, little kids, that those of you that have opened your home to let, you know, river people invade it every week, God bless you. That's a big deal. We have two new facilitators this go around with Sean McKeever and Tom Cirillo stepping up to say, you know what, I can lead a discussion. I don't, I can lead that and help people grow and, and host and those kinds of things. There's so many things that we do. I think of Adam that I remember when he went to help Bonnie in her home with some things. He might not even know that I knew it, but I had behind the scenes I knew to just bless Bonnie and take care of her. And then I later heard Sean and Jason had gone to help her as well in her home. Like some of these things are official ministries that we do, and sometimes it's just needs that we know that get blessed. I think of Sean when we did that cleanup day that brought his tractor and brought his dad too. That's the best thing to do, right? You just bring somebody else to do the work. You don't have to do it all yourself. Folks, those ministries are so important and they bless people and God in heaven notices them. I think of Lisa a number of years ago we were doing a class on evangelism trying to help all of us just get better at sharing our faith and how do you do that in a world that doesn't necessarily want to hear and see it got even more challenging since then. I remember a conversation with her afterwards, just sincere, because she cares deeply about lost people. And just was like, Sean, I'm a, I'm a, a stay-at-home you know, mom, and I'm homeschooling my kids. I'm not around people to have these conversations. I'm not at work. I'm not at this and that. And I said, well, we just should pray. You should pray about opportunities. And just how after that, just God filled her home with people just through the, the circumstances of the family that she could share and engage and always inviting people, whether it's at, at, the, at the grocery store or whatever. I'm glad that her kids have a mom that care about lost people, that cares deeply about inviting and engaging people. You see, all of the ministries, all of that gets noticed. By, if it's not by somebody here, it's noticed by God in heaven. And there's so many more things and so many out there that, that, that people in this room don't know, but prayers that you've prayed for people in your workplace, conversations that you've had, invitations that you've made, and all of those as an extension of the gospel, God in heaven notices those. And I don't know how heaven ultimately is going to play out, and we're going to give God glory in all of that, but somehow in the middle of that, God gives rewards, and we're going to all step back, and we're going to see how we give glory to God, and God took all of those little things, our little five loaves and two fishes, and how He did incredible things in this world around us. Third thing I want us to recognize, not only does our service needed, not only does it get noticed, but I, I want you to notice that it's the best word I could come up with, it's an N-word, I don't usually do that, but I was too close not to get across the finish line, was that it's networked. When you look at this story, these are peoples and relationships and connected and built upon, stacked upon one another. Paul is writing to people across a whole region, different churches, different relationships, and different things that are going on. And, and he's saying hello to all these people. You see, when you and I serve together, when we, we serve, it puts us in a relationship. It creates a, a community. Church is so much more than as Dan or as excuse me as Adam has shared earlier. It's so much more than just us being together for the time on Sunday morning. 
But when we serve one another and we begin helping one another, God begins to create relationships in our lives. There begins to be a community of faith that becomes genuine community that forms together. It becomes more than just us attending or hearing a sermon or watching a YouTube video or watching a, you know, a live stream of something. It puts us in relationship. There begins to be affection along the way. That's why Paul at the end is like, greet all these people with a holy kiss. My family and I, before River, we were part of a bilingual church, predominantly Spanish-speaking in Amsterdam. And uh, I, we got, it was crash course in a different culture. I was kind of surprised because I was the, the dumb, you know, English-speaking white guy, and it was a church where I was a, min I was a minority. <laughs> I was not in the majority. And uh, not long after you got going there and, and people got to know us, I noticed when I, I would come, the ladies would come up and they'd give me a kiss on the cheek. And I'm just kind of like, whoa! Like, the only woman that's ever kissed me would be like my mom or my wife or maybe my daughters. You know, I'm just like, whoa! In Spanish culture, if you don't know this, the normal greeting is, is, a, is a kiss. You greet with a kiss. That's what this holy kiss is all about. In our culture, we might say handshake, you know. And I don't, I don't know, some of you that might know the culture better. In my world, a kiss is closer than a side hug. I think in their world, a hug is closer than a kiss. Like a kiss is a little more distant, you know, so it's a little different. But anyway, but that's what Paul's talking about. Regardless, he's like, this is an affection thing. This is a love thing. This is a we're together in this kind of thing. You see, this whole service is not just that it's needful for others. We need it ourselves because it just it God blesses in our life as we work with others and God blesses and He sees all that we're doing even if it's difficult and all of that. But along the way, it creates a sense of healthy community. When we did the t-shirts this year, if you notice on the front of them, they say, there's some of them here this morning, but they say, love, serve, and grow. Because ultimately, those are the three things that really create a Christian community that goes between just having, instead of just having a worship service to where it's people that care, that love God and love one another, people that are serving God by serving one another, and in the process of that, we grow. You see, you can't take any one of those three away and, it, and the formula works. It doesn't work. Kind of like trying to drive your car on two wheels or three wheels, you know, take one away. You take away love, you really aren't going to serve well if you don't love somebody, right? And somehow along the way, if you serve, you actually begin to love. Service flows out of love. Service reinforces and creates love. We want to grow as followers of Jesus. You actually can't grow if you're not loving God more and loving each other more. You actually aren't growing as a Christian if you're not serving others and serving God by serving others, it's a package deal. Like that's our all, this is a tricycle, I guess. A tricycle does not go if you don't have all three wheels working there. And in the middle of that, that's what creates community that's called church. So I want to take the last two, three, four minutes before we celebrate the Lord's Supper. I want to brainstorm with you. If service is so needed in the lives of other people, because we all need it deeply. Each one of us do. 
We need the service of other people, and we need the expression of service because it's why God saved us and put us on this earth, this purpose to bless others. If, if it's needed, if God in heaven notices every ounce of it and none of it is for waste and every bit of it is forgotten, and there's so many scriptures that talk about that, and if it's what creates such a sense of community and blessing and a family and a togetherness among us, why do we then sometimes struggle to serve? Why do we go through seasons of that? I sat down and I came up with probably 15 different things that can hit us. I've experienced a lot of them, if not most of them, but I want to take just a couple of minutes and literally verbally brainstorm with you. So let me give you rules. You're going to get a chance to talk back to me, all right? You're going to get talk to the room. But here's the deal. Not five sentences. One sentence, right? So speak up, speak loud. Why do we sometimes struggle to serve others and to give of ourselves in that way? I'll throw the first one out there. Sometimes we're tired, right? Sometimes. Sometimes we really do just need a break. We're tired. We're worn out. Sometimes we're tired. That's okay. Somebody else, why do you struggle to serve? Competing priorities. Sometimes the priorities are legitimate. Sometimes they're not. Sometimes in my world they're not. Sometimes I've allowed other things to like rise where they shouldn't be. Yep. And sometimes it's a season of life where you just, you're not in a spot where you can do what you have done or would like to do. Yep. Lack of confidence. I don't know if I can do that. Who wants to fail? Who wants to mess up? I don't want to talk to that other person about whatever they're needing help with. I might mess them up. Not enough time. We want to be able to do more than we're actually able to do, which comes back to priorities a bit. You lack surrender. You're not connected with God. There's a sense of surrender and humbling and yielding of ourselves, right? When we serve, it's kind of like giving a chunk of yourself. It's been a long time since I've given a blood, but it's kind of like hooking up the, you know, and here's a piece of me. Sometimes we can lack surrender in that. And sometimes if we're not careful, we can treat church, we love God, but we treat church like a campfire. You want to get close, but you want to get too close. You want to enjoy it, but you don't want to get right in the middle of it. Sometimes we've been hurt in past churches, right? And we're kind of like, oh, I just want to kind of orbit it a little bit, kind of sit back and enjoy the warmth, but I'm not ready to step in. We've been hurt. We're plain selfish. You just called it out. It doesn't fit my bucket list and all of my things that I want to do for me. Yeah, because by definition, it's doing something for somebody else. Get distracted. Sometimes we're afraid, afraid of messing up. Sometimes we've gone through an experience and felt like we got taken advantage of. And so you're a little gun shy, like, ooh, I don't want to go back there again. And sometimes that's legitimate. Yeah, we have gone through some things. Yeah, make no mistake, if you serve, you're going to get your toes stepped on. You're going to end up hurt along the way. It's kind of the way life works, right? If you go to work thinking it's just always everything that ever happens at work is going to be great, you're sadly misinformed. <laughs> you know, nothing in life is that great. There's so many different reasons. I want to call those things out, and there's more that we could think about. But what I want everybody in this room to do, this is not a meant, this is not at all a guilt kind of message. Oh, Sean just wants us to do more. 
Some of you might ought to do some things. Some of you are actually doing enough. Some of you might actually ought to do less. You do need to take some breaks, right? It's legitimate. But of the excuses, of the reasons why we don't serve, which one or two, I want everybody to answer this in your own brain, are the ones that you use? Or is the one that you're using right now? Everybody ought to think of something. I don't have enough time. I'm nervous. I don't have enough training. I've never been helped. I've never even been asked. I don't know what to do. Which of those is your most likely to keep you from serving? And then my next question for you is, what do you need to do about that? If it's an issue of fear, maybe it's a conversation you need to have with somebody, just transparent, like, you know what, I'd like to do something, I'm a little afraid. Or I've, maybe it's a past experience that you genuinely need to process. Maybe it's leaders, and I make mistakes all the time. It's our pastor's job to equip you. That's what the Bible says. It's our job to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Our job is to train you if you're not ready. Maybe you've gone through an experience in the past that's just kind of sidelined you, and you've been orbiting but not really serving, being a part of that. Maybe you've got to work through that, and you've thrown some things out the window. But service, ultimately, when you and I are not stepping up, and after we've gone through a season of recovery, a season of refreshing, a season of getting healing, it's time to get back in the game and to serve again, and to serve in new ways, and fresh ways, and strengthen better informed ways. So this morning, I want, to ch I want to celebrate the ministries that you're doing, not just the names I called out, and there's so many more that, that I could have talked about. But I also want to challenge us that we're a people that we are here on this earth to give our life away. It's what Jesus did. He says, as the Father sent me, even so send I you. And we're to be that kind of people regularly. And so I want to say thank you for the ministries that you do. I try to say thank you a lot. You may or may not have picked up on it. If I haven't said thank you in, within a month, forgive me. <laughs> but I try to walk around because I really am grateful. But all of us should say thank you more often than we do, right? And recognize that and show that appreciation and to know that the people that are serving, that they're noticed and that they're loved and they're appreciated. And ultimately, the God of heaven sees it regardless. So wherever you are in that today, be careful about the things that you use to keep you from serving and step forward through those. Dan, Steve, and I will help you. There might be some others that will help you. Our, we've got wonderful coordinators in different ministries that will help you. Our desire is to just move people forward in those things. So let me close this with prayer. And uh, we're going to shift to the Lord's Supper, which is actually not a hard shift because we're remembering that Jesus died for us. And this was His service to us. And if He did this for us, surely we can do a little bit for others on a regular basis in our life. So pray with me, would you? Father, thank You for the Lord Jesus who died and rose again. Thank You for His grace, His love. And Lord, thank You that we get to step into Your ministry. And Lord, it's not just that there's stuff that we need to do, there's stuff that we get to do, being Your hands and Your feet in the world around us. And Lord, You don't just give us those roles as a taskmaster, but You, be, you give us spiritual gifts and opportunities to serve. 
And Lord, you turn around and you reward us when we do those well. And it's a reward that we get in all of eternity. So Father, help us to have a heart for service, a heart for people, and help us to help others to step forward in those ministry tools, whatever they may be. And Father, we celebrate this table of our Lord Jesus who died for us. And our, ministry, our own ministry step into the ministry that He did for us. Thank you for that privilege. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. Join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at River of Life Church or find us online on Facebook, YouTube, or at riveralbany.com.